17 people got really hurt. Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes, and instead get up close and personal with the lesser-known legacies and real-life bad behavior of some of history's most notable and beloved people. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Prematurely. Yeah, it's the week. The spirit of the 4th of July. The spirit of illegal and questionably sourced Chinese explosives. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great for the environment. Um, That could have been a whole Meet Your Heroes episode, fireworks. Oh, yeah. Maybe next year. Uh, That's a good one. It's not great for the environment, and it's terrible for human rights. So enjoy that when they're lighting up the sky. Did you see the LAPD? The bomb truck? Yes. I mean, I heard about it, but no, I didn't watch it. Okay, so like there's this Like 17 people got really hurt. Yeah, okay. So yes, the critical injuries are not funny. No. Uh, But the fact that they put like 10 pounds of explosives or whatever Mm -mm. in this bomb truck- and it's supposed to be able to handle like 20 or something. What? But it's either like they put too much in and they didn't realize it or they weighed it wrong or it's just like fatigue over time. But they were like they they were like brought reporters really close and it just like you know those big black spheres that sit on the back of the trucks that they like put stuff in to explode it. Have you ever seen these? Mm-mm. It's like a big tank that's a it's a round ball. Okay. And sure. they and they go to detonate it. They all fire in the hole and there's a helicam helicopter camera shot yeah i've seen the pictures and not only does the whole back of this like big rig just explode but like it destroys the truck destroys homes that's not funny at all no but i mean like it is ironic very on brand like turning delicate situations catastrophic since 1982 or whatever it was lapd's there to serve (laughs) yeah with an audience an invited crowd yes yes on tv well we are celebrating America this week with our episode, but I will not be exploding anything. That's a that's a disappointment. A real missed opportunity, frankly. But thanks to the people who gave our child um, small firecrackers for their birthday. Yeah. It's appreciated. That was great. Appreciate that. <laughs> so we've got some poppets. Yes. Is that what they're called? I don't know. Poppers? Uh, not poppers. We definitely don't have poppers. They yeah. might be poppets. So what is equally as American as fireworks on the 4th of July? Apple pie. Close. The Pledge of Allegiance. Gross. Mistreating young female celebrities. Okay, we're getting closer. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to cut to the chase. This week's hero, the Statue of Liberty. What do you know about the Statue of Liberty? Everything there is to know. Do you? No, not at all. Uh, it is a... Big statue on Huge. Ellis Island in New York, off the coast of New York. It's actually called Liberty Island. Oh, yeah. Ellis Island is the it's, place where they came different. through. Yeah. That's true, I guess. Okay, so don't know that. Okay. Um, it was a gift to the United States from France. Kind of, yeah. And um, it is a symbol of hope and freedom for all who's who are beckoned by America's shores. That is a really... Uh, pleasant narrative. That is not the truth at all. 
What? Yeah. Dashing the, my illusions? <laughs> the American illusion has been foiled. Of all days. Of On, all podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, um, her story is much more interesting, a lot quirkier, a lot lesser known legacy style. Um, but we're going to start at the beginning. Let's do it. So to be fair, it took about 15 years from um, inspiration to dedication for the Statue of Liberty to be made. But she was dedicated to the United States on October 28th, 1886, <laughs> okay. which makes her a Scorpio. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> so it's time for Audrey's Astrology Corner. As a Scorpio born on October 28th, <laughs> you are known for your ambition, passion, and cool nature. Outwardly, you are calm and may even appear calculated to others. This what? outer reserve is the opposite of your inner workings, which is greatly passionate. Scorpios born on October 28th need to exert authority over others, which can result in continuous power struggles. They are strong-willed, precise, and dedicated to doing a good job. They become disgruntled with themselves if they can't live up to their too high expectations. Well, you do have to say the Central Liberty doing a bang-up job so far. <laughs> Great work, Lady Liberty. <laughs> on brand for an October 28th Scorpio. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> you gave us the, like, general, this is what we know about the Statue of Liberty. It's this... I gave you the middle school civics version of what we <laughs> sure. know about the Statue of Liberty. Cliff Notes version... It was this joint effort to between France and the United States intended to commemorate this like lasting friendship between the two countries. Um, it is on a small island in Upper New York Bay known as Liberty Island. And a lot of us in general in America think of her as this symbol, right? She's a symbol of freedom and democracy. Her history is like so bound up in immigration and... Ellis Island, like you mentioned, more than 12 million immigrants have entered the U.S. through Ellis Island and passed by her since 1886. Yes, Ellis Island being where the immigration office is that is near the Statue of Liberty, but not yes. the actual island yes. the statue's on. Got it. So we think of her in all of these ways. She's so symbolic. But what if I told you that entire story is essentially a retrofitted narrative designed to sort of gloss over the fact that... Although the Statue of Liberty may have started as this gesture of goodwill, it was actually just an em enormous marketing device concocted between this like relatively unremarkable sculptor and a newspaper tycoon who was trying to increase circulation and kind of went the 1880s version of viral. If you tell me anything American Americana <laughs> is marketing... I'm going to say, yes, that that checks out. Exactly right. <laughs> right. Yes. To understand more about the statue, uh, we're actually going to dive into the live, the, the lives of the sculptor and a few ancillary characters in the story of the Statue of Liberty. Okay. But we'll start with the sculptor. His name was Frederick Auguste Bartoli. Uh, he's French. Auguste. 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 Bartoli studied various forms of art his whole life. Sometime around his mid-20s or so, he settled primarily on sculpture and architecture. He had these, like, grand visions of being known for making the largest sculpture, sculpture in the world. Like, that was his thing. He wanted to make an enormous statue. Didn't want to make the best. Nope. Wanted to make the he biggest. He was tired of being commissioned from, like, 
city councils to make a small sculpture. In his early 20s, he travels around the Middle East for a bit, and he makes his way south to Egypt. And at one point, he's in Egypt, and this trip is what inspired what we now call colossal sculpture. Like, he was like, okay, that's, this is what it's going to be. I'm going to make a colossal sculpture. Did you just see the pyramids and was like, oh, yeah, 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 they got the right idea. They got the right idea. Well, yeah. So he mills around for a bit. He hobnobs with artists and poets. And um, this is all during the 1860s. In 1865, he's having this conversation with his friend, Edouard uh, Laboulet. Okay. He's going to come up a bunch. And this guy is a well-known jurist, poet. He is a vocal anti-slavery advocate. And interestingly enough, a zealous observer and supporter of American politics. Loves the idea of a constitution. <laughs> living in sort of an oppressive uh, political system at that point. What system is he living in? He's in France. Okay, okay, so it's not got this, it, got like, it, got it. It's not the, the beacon of democracy that he perceives America to be. It's 1865, like I said. The Civil War has just ended. And this is something that La Boulet is like pumped about. It takes a lot for you to be in your country and watch the Civil War happen and be like, I got, I, that's what I want. That's the system of government I want. Well, I mean, he's an anti-slavery advocate. Like, that's his whole thing. He sure, is I mean, down for some bloodshed. America gets there. And mm -hmm. just saying, like, it was not necessarily the most orderly process. <laughs> no, no. We had a big disagreement about it. <laughs> no, yes, we totally did. Uh, it's actually what a civil war is. It's a big disagreement. Yes, yes, of, for the of record. Of the, like, maximum scale. The war ends. La Boulet, who has been, like, in and out of French politics, decides what he's going to do is create this body. It's called the French Emancipation Committee. And it is this committee that was designed to aid U.S. slaves. And they either bringing them to France or assisting them in any number of ways. He decides... That as a gesture of, one, freedom and liberty, as he saw it, finally being acted upon in America, and two, in honor of the upcoming American centennial, right, 1876 is only 100 years. That's the centennial. They're before the centennial of America being a country. Oh, yeah. that's I hadn't thought about that. It's right? crazy. So he's like, okay, so um, liberty and freedom, finally, and it's your 100th anniversary coming up. Let's give these motherfuckers a gift, a big one. So he goes to his friend Bartoli, and he's you, like, "What do you get somebody for the hundredth anniversary? <laughs> With a statue, apparently, <laughs> bronze. The traditional gift, you yeah. know." So he goes to Bartoli, and he was like, "Hey, um, remember when you came to me and you were talking about colossal sculpture? I think I have an idea for that." Pitches the idea. Let's make a colossal sculpture, and Bartoli is like, "Yeah, that would be super cool. I'm very interested, but be right back." I'm about to go pitch a colossal sculpture to Egypt. Like, I'm, I'm headed back there because coming up is the opening of the Suez Canal. And I think they really need something to commemorate that first. Wait, to, com to commemorate the opening of the Suez Canal? Yes. Like, he's like, hey, you know what would go really great with your canal? Yes. A statue. <laughs> I mean, legitimately. So at this point, a few years have passed. It's 1869. Suez Canal finally opens up. Bartoli goes to Egyptian leaders, and he was like, okay, hear me out. Right at the front of this canal. Big-ass sculpture. Huge. So fucking big. And what if it was a woman draped in fabric, holding a torch, and welcoming people to Egypt? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Egyptian government was like, no, thank you. Very unnecessary. 
way too expensive. We're not interested. Who needs a statue? <laughs> yeah. Bartoli goes back to France. He's like, hey, I was in Egypt. I had this great idea. They didn't want it. Do you still want to give America a gift? Wait, 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 wait. Was this like lady holding a torch mm-hmm. thing like symbolic for Egypt in any way? Um, it was just like the freedom of being able to drive your ships through land. Like, yeah, welcome to Egypt. <laughs> yeah, was <That's> it <laughs> pretty much? Okay, okay. Yeah, and so he goes to La Boulet and he's like, "Do you still want to do this? Because I have this idea. Picture this right in front of a major city. What if there was a huge sculpture, so fucking big, just enormous? And what if that sculpture was a woman draped in fabric, fabric holding a torch and welcoming people to America?" He's just got a plan. <laughs> He's just got a plan. Got to find the right country. La Boulet's like, I love it. I love it. You are an ideas man. Let's put it into practice right now. And he's like, what you're going to want to do is go to America. Here, take these letters of introduction, which was this formal thing that if you knew someone in another country, the social practice of the time was to write a letter saying, hey, this is my friend. Can you help him out? No, what do you mean social practice of the time? It's a social practice of the day. <laughs> I mean, it's hey, a, it's, you'll find my friend CC'd on this email. Yes, I think yes. you would like to blah, blah, blah. That's all it is. Yeah, it's a fucking BCC of the email address. It is. Okay. It is. Hey, Got can, it. do you mind if I connect you to? It's yes, that. Yes. So he shows up. He's like, take these letters and um, tell them you want to build some shit in America as a gift from France. See what they say. Just go feel it out. Wait, as a gift? Is La Boulet, like, rich? Is he loaded? No. And it's going to be a real big problem. Yeah, wait. So so this this dude's like, I really want to give America a gift. And yeah. it's not like he's like a, a billionaire who's uh-uh. like, he's just like, man, I really wish I was a billionaire who <laughs> yeah. was able to give America a gift. Go ask if they're interested. Yeah. And we'll figure it out. Best I can do is these introductory letters. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, that's gutsy right there. That's gutsy. So he takes these letters, Bartoli, and he runs with it. Heads to America. It's 1870, 1871. He began scoping places that he thinks he could put a massive statue, at least over 100 feet tall. It's minimum. He travels back and forth across the U.S. twice by train over the course of the time that he's there. And he's meeting with people that he thinks would probably be interested in this sculpture. So abolitionists, um, railroad tycoons, just anybody, anybody who has money, anybody who likes the idea, kind of like how nonprofits Try and raise money right now. Just like anybody want to give this me money a for this thing. Major capital campaign for something that has actual no value. Wow. Right? Oh, and and he's and he's not like pitching this as like the Egyptian statue. This is just like, oh, this is my big my big thing with the torch. We want to give you a gift. Congratulations on the Civil War ending and surviving for a hundred years. Also, are you willing to pay for that gift? Yeah. <laughs> are, are you interested in in helping? You know, financially we'll, contributing to the cause. We'll pay for some of it, but do you do you want to chip in? And um, most people in America were like, we are literally five years out of a bloody civil war. We do not care about sculptures. Like, no, we do not care. We also do not care about French sculptures. Like, get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, okay. What are you doing? But he did have political support. Congress people, the president at the time was like, ah, you know what? This might be a good idea. And France said they'd pay for most of it. We could use a big statue. We could use a big statue. Why Why not? not? Yeah. Who's going to turn that away? Everybody else he talked to, for (laughs) starters. Right. So he leaves America not having any funding for this, but he has people in power agreeing to probably, like, give him a space if he can come up with it. They're like, yeah, if you can figure out how to do it, we'll find a place for it. No problem. No problem. 
Yeah, we in America, one thing we have is a lot of space. We will find <laughs> space for your statue. <laughs> So between 1871 and 1875, Bartoli and Laboulaye work on sketches and ideas. Laboulaye uses his political influence to sort of start priming French politicians and business people. They're dropping hints like, hey, have you heard of America? She's pretty cool. She needs a statue. You like liberty. They like liberty. Freedom is pretty cool. Let's do something about that. That's it. It's not like... I just imagine there was some yeah. master plan, like some like... You know, it, it never really comes together. I'll tell you that. Spoiler. Okay. okay, okay. It's a lot of this in all of the funniest ways. <laughs> so the Franco-Prussian War ends um, in the early 1870s. France is fi- like finally financially prosperous again, and some folks start to get on board. They're like, it would probably go- be good at this point to have an alliance in America. We're kind of bummed out that they didn't come help us with this Franco-Prussian War. That sucks. Like, we could have used their help. Um, Also, why are we giving them a statue? But, like, okay, I guess. Nobody really fully understands the scope of this yet. I don't understand the scope of this yet. No, but you're about to. 1875 rolls around. One year before the American centennial. The U.S. announces this big event happening. It's called the Centennial Exposition. And it's planned for 18... 76 in Philadelphia. The U.S. makes this big announcement. Laboulaye decides, I've been laying low for 10 years. I've got this idea. been working on it. Now is the time to capitalize on this, like, big festival, get people pumped about a big statue. American people, though? Or French people? Because... I think he would have taken anybody okay, at that point. He's just, he's just still <laughs> desperate at this point. Anybody, please. As soon as they announce the Centennial Exposition, Laboulaye announces his own, again, this other subcommittee, this new union called the Franco-American Union. And he says the first order of this Franco-American Union is going to be this fundraising body. And this fundraising body is going to raise money for the statue that they, at that point, are calling Liberty Enlightening the World. Most French people are like, okay, you know what? Snazzy. They've come around. It's got, got a ring to it. But we're not going to pay for the fucking pedestal. We'll give them the statue. America built a pedestal. That is where we draw the line. That what? is it. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? So Laboulaye calls up America, people in America, and ring, ring. And he's like, hey, so we'll give you the statue. We've got people who said they'll pay for it. Does he actually call them up or we have telephones at this stage? No. He's sending letters. Yeah. Okay, got it. But they've got like this copper magnate who's agreed to give copper. They've got, you know, people who are dedicating their time and services. They, they're pulling the money together for the statue. You And he's like, but you got to figure out how you're going to find a 120-foot pedestal. At that point- Wait, a 120-foot pedestal? hmm This pedestal is 12 stories tall. Ideally, Yeah. With a, at least a hundred foot statue on top of it. Oh, wait. So the pedestal is half the height of the whole thing. More than half the height of the whole thing. It's like one to one was the vision, basically. They wanted like a pedestal that lifted Lady Liberty like to the sky. And then and then a statue on top of that. Wow, it's a big pedestal. I say, Okay, so yeah. now I got I to gotta apologize to the French real fast. The objection where they're like, we're not paying for the fucking pedestal. I get it. If you're going to put up half the money for the thing, know. you want to put up the flashy half. You don't want to pay for the for the rocks the at rocks, the bottom. You don't. You sure don't. Okay. Okay. And those rocks are not cheap. It's expensive. These are nice rocks. Okay. Yeah. And America says best we can do is ninety foot, like Ooh. an eighty nine foot tall 
89 feet tall, 89 foot tall uh, pedestal. What, you think rocks grow on trees? Come <laughs> I on. know, 120 too far. And that is where they land. France going to build the Statue of Liberty. America, 89, 90 foot tall pedestal. The other thing that they want to do is capitalize on this centennial event happening as a fundraising opportunity. And they're like, we've got to get a piece of this statue over to America to to drum up hype. And uh, everybody's like, well, no, because this is going to take like a decade to build. Could we just send the torch? And uh, Bartoli and Laboulet were like, yeah, let's just send the torch. So they whip up the hand in the torch real fast, put it on a boat, send it to America, to Philadelphia for this um, exhibition exposition and they charge 50 cents for people to climb up it and take pictures and look around at all of the other things at the festival wait they they literally let you climb the torch yeah how big is this torch huge i'll put pictures on our instagram huge um i believe that there was a ladder or a staircase but um it's very large i would say 40 feet tall oh yikes okay if you think about it think about it is the actual hand and torch it's it's not like a replica or anything. No, it's no, no. The it's re- the real one. Oh, they yeah. they ship the, they build the hand first in a ship year. It over. They, they whip it together. Let people climb on it, take pictures. Yes. After the event's over, why did they stop letting people do that? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know. Well, after the event's over, the organizers were like, "Okay, so are you guys going to take this back to France now?" And Bartoli was like, "Hell no. Um, put it somewhere." Until we're ready to bring the rest of the statue over. Not shipping this thing back just to bring it back over later, no. No. So they put it in Madison Square Park. And, uh, yeah, people keep climbing on it and doing whatever they want. It's just in a park in New York. Okay. Okay. So you got a, you got a big hand with a torch in a park in New York. For a decade. Mostly oh, for a decade. Well, it's 1876, and it's not dedicated till 1886. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so this is just sitting there, and literally it's sitting in this park because... How the hell are you going to move this 40-foot tall hand with a yeah. torch? Back and, and forth, back and, and forth. Especially if the guy doesn't want to take it back yet. <laughs> Nowhere to put it. Go, but he goes back to France. Okay. Begins working on the sculpt, sculpture with his mentor. It is so fucking big. Like, I cannot explain to you how enormous the bits and pieces of the Statue of Liberty are as they're building it. Again, I will put photos on our Instagram. But uh, really, this is truly a feat of engineering. He's back there working on it with his mentor. His mentor dies. Bartoli realizes, okay, I'm a sculptor and I have a bit of architectural experience, but I'm not a structural engineer. I need someone to come help me. So he's like going through his Rolodex. Click, 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 click. Gustav Eiffel is who he lands on. Uh, Incorrect. I know what that guy built. (laughs) Yeah. So he calls up Eiffel and Eiffel is like, yeah, that would be great. I would love to help. Um, But here's the thing. The way that you all have designed this is raggedy as hell. <laughs> so you all have this like exterior load bearing weight. Like it's, yeah. this is busted. This is old. This is like, you're actually trying to build this like it's Michelangelo fucking David. It is not a sculpture. This is a building. Yes. It's a big metal building. <laughs> yes. You need to think of this like a building. Wait. So hold on. Is is Eiffel famous at this point for any other like big landmarks? I mean, he's not Eiffel Tower famous, but he is an up-and-coming structural engineer. He is known. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So he goes, and he's like, what we're going to do is we're going to build this large steel tower on the inside. And that tower, 
of steel, this Eiffel Tower of steel on the inside of the Statue of Liberty is going to be what's going to bear the weight. Okay, okay. I think this might work. I it think might, this might work. work. Also, uh, what I can tell you is from watching Lego Masters, uh, <laughs> that is the best way to build an earthquake-resistant Lego tower as well. Right? Because the Statue of Liberty, he was like, you guys are putting this on an island in a harbor. There's going to be storms. It, uh, The head at points sways back and forth three inches in strong winds right now, currently. Wait, like in the good completed form? Yeah, and the arm sways five inches, which is a lot for a building. That is like so much for a building. I mean... I would imagine any interest is a lot for a building. <laughs> if, if I'm in a building that's starting to sway, I mean, I guess buildings do sway, but yeah, that's right. not reassuring. No. It also gets struck by lightning about 600 times a year. Fun fact. 600? Yeah. It's a metal sculpture in the middle of a harbor. I mean, it's true. There's not a lot competing for height around it. Okay. Fair no. enough. So he builds this long, this tall steel structure on the inside. It also allows them to build staircases so people can get to the top. There can be maintenance. It won't crack. They can, right? All of these revolutionary things that this sculptor was ignoring because he was treating it like a sculpture. Yeah, man, just totally not the right guy for the job. Just not at all. <laughs> no. So Bartoli is building this. All the while, La Boulay and others are trying to raise money to continue building this. This is they're they're like raising just enough like piece by piece to build it. Real startup mentality. It's oh. a lean startup. Oh, so they they start building before they've got money to finish it. Right. No government funding. The government was actually like, no, we're not. This is not a taxpayer funded initiative. What happened to building the top half if the Americans did the pedestal? Listen, what La Boulay promised was the French would do it. France would do it. Not the French government. Oh, well, okay. Technically, still got a chance. Lots of fundraising strategies. Uh, They put on a bunch of spectacles. Once the head is built, that's what they build next. They let people climb on that for like 50 cents. I like this. Simpler times. <laughs> Build they, some shit. Get to climb on it for 50 cents. Yeah, Done. A uh, dollar or so, you get to go into the workshop and watch them build it. Um, they do uh, a national lottery where people can pay in and something happens. I don't know. They could win money, I'm sure. Win money, but also a large portion of it went to Pay for building. the statue. Yep. And over in the States, I mean, it's probably no surprise to you, but... Uh, no one wants to build the pedestal. They cannot find any money for this pedestal. Yeah, goddamn. Can you imagine trying to raise money? Hey, can you build us this big rock tower <laughs> I know. for the cool part to sit on? Right. No. No. Um, and it's, you know, still at this point, expected to be placed in New York City. Lackluster fundraising in New York City. Some wealthy people in Boston hear about this and they're like, hey, I wonder if we could convince France to put it in the Boston Harbor. New York City folks hear about Boston trying to steal the statue from them and um, proving that nothing motivates New Yorkers like rivalry. Like spite, really. The New York Times retorted in an editorial, quote, Boston proposes to take our neglected Statue of Liberty and warm it over for her own use and glory. Boston has probably again overestimated her powers. This statue is dear to us, though we have never looked upon it, and no third-rate town is going to step in and take it from us. Philadelphia tried to do that in 1876 and failed. Let Boston be warned that she can't have our liberty. The great lighthouse statue will be smashed into fragments before it shall be stuck in Boston Harbor. We're going to fight you for this <laughs> statue we've never seen. We've had, this, we've had this torch sitting in our park for 10 years now. You're not taking it from us? And so, 
a little bit of fundraising happens in New York City just because they don't want Boston to get it. By 1882, in France, they've been working on this for seven years. And in America, they legitimately at this point are like, oh, shit, we really need to start physically building this pedestal. Fundraising in earnest, like, really, really begins. It's estimated it's going to take about $100,000 in 1880s money, roughly $3 million today. Okay, that's still pretty cheap. I mean, but wealth inequality was not as great as it is right now. Like, Hmm. Beyonce could, like, you know, throw $3 million at an island to build it, and nobody would think twice. But back then, there were just not, like... There was not concentrated wealth. Not to the same degree, yeah. Yeah. By 1884, the fundraising committee had raised, of the 100000 they needed, $3,000. Not quite there yet. So with $97,000 to go, they actually start petitioning the U.S. government. For building the pedestal. Yeah. At first, they asked for 50000 No, first they asked for 100000 and Congress was like, what the fuck? No. No? Okay. And then they were like, what about 50000 And Congress was like... No, if France wants to give us a present, they can give us a present, but we will not be paying for it. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of trashy. I mean, it's not great. It's not a good look. It's not a great present. But this committee, as innovative as the French committee is, on this side of the ocean, they start doing things like asking people to donate art. They have fundraising. I guess they would have been galas at the time. But... They're really, like, bake-sailing this whole thing. They're really (laughs) bake-sailing. So... They even ask a prominent poem poet to write a poem, and they're like, we're going to auction this off to raise money. At first, this poet was like, no, I am too busy helping refugees and poor immigrants in New York City find housing and food and medicine. But her friends were like, hey, what if you took all of this stuff that you're doing right now, you made that into a poem, and you sold that? It's pretty interesting. Like, people need to know the plight of refugees and immigrants. And that is how Emma Lazarus, the new Colossus, came to be. So wait, so this this whole idea that like the poems on the side, because this was a symbol of like mm-hmm. hope and everything, was just a byproduct of them like trying to scrape together the cash to pay for the rocks to put it on? It wasn't even added to the Statue of Liberty for like 17 years. It wasn't even part of it to start with? No. And so if folks <sighs> are curious, this is the new Colossus is the poem infamous with the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled, yearning masses, or masses yearning to breathe free, right? Mm-hmm. Not not part of the plan. Literally just like, what can we sell to make yes. pay for this thing? At this point, no part of the Statue of Liberty had anything to do with immigration, refugees. It was not like, this is a safe harbor. It's not related to that at all. It literally was like a vanity project from France. But because of Emma's activism... That is what it has come to represent. Good for her. Way to get your message out there. It it just goes to show. Always agree to sell your poems on behalf of the large statue fundraisers because (laughs) you never know how it's going to spread your message. (laughs) You never know. She writes a poem. It sells for a small amount. The whole committee is at a loss, though. They do not know how to raise the additional $90,000 that they still need. Wait, this got them from 3 to 10? (laughs) All of this stuff? That's when Joseph Pulitzer... Of the Pulitzer Prizes. Yes. Had an idea. He's a media magnate at the time. And he was like, this is a huge marketing opportunity. I can, like, brand this opportunity in a way that increases circulation like nobody's business. He knew then what Dale Carnegie would put as, like, the first rule of how to win friends, or right? Mm-hmm. People love their name. People love seeing their name. They love hearing their name. They love when pe- other people see and hear their name. 
right? So he says, we're going to raise $100,000. And anybody who donates to this cause, I will print your name in my newspapers. That's it. Literally a penny is fine. Wait, no wait. amount too small. Y- you give you give a penny and we will just write your name in the newspaper. Yes. Money started flooding in. Flooding what? in. What? This works? Yes. And not only does he publish their names, but people write like their little sob stories like, oh, I'm donating for this reason and mm-hmm. remember me, blah, blah. So he starts publishing some of those. How is that worth the ink? At this point. It's also increasing circulation. People are buying this. They want to see their oh, name shit. in print. <laughs> you pay a penny to get your name <laughs> in the paper, but then you spend like the nickel to buy the paper with your name in it. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's clever. Okay. It's very okay. clever. It is like the first American crowdsourcing that really ever happened. Mm, for before the there was Kickstarter, there was the Pulitzer guy and uh, getting mm-hmm. your name in the paper. Okay. Yep. Okay. So some of these stories, a group of kids sent in a dollar and they said, we were going to go to the circus with this, but you can have it. Another one reads, quote, a young girl alone in the world donated 60 cents, the result of self-denial. Self-denial? Yeah. So dramatic. A group of kindergartners in Iowa mailed in a dollar 35. Not only was this like a huge campaign to raise all this money that they needed, it also made this project very sexy. And so... Where people were once ambivalent to the Statue of Liberty. Now, if you put a penny toward it, that's that's your project. That's your you statue. You want to see it succeed. Man, people are so suckers for this. Kind of, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. By 1885, the pedestal money was raised. One year is all it took. Whoa, wait. They toiled to get to the 3,000. <laughs> they, like, sold all this stuff yeah. and, like, art to get to 10. And then... The name and the paper thing gets them the other 90 in a year? 120,000 donors. 80% of the donations were made up of less than $1. What? Yeah, it's a real hustle. Americans are bamboozled quite easily. That, that like, thirst for fame. That's what it was. Tapped into it. They understood. So uh, so this this is a sim- this statue is a symbol of America in uh, more ways than one. And less so about being a beacon and a f- harbor for the immigrants and more for like people are willing to mail their money Vanity. to anybody who's like, oh, we're going to we're going to get your name out there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. They've got the money. It still takes another eight months before the pedestal is finished. A lot of rocks. While it was being built, France was like, OK, we're ready to send the, the statue now. It's deconstructed, put into 214 shipping crates placed on a naval vessel from France. And when it arrives... This, oh, we forgot a part, damn it. <laughs> no, the statue was met by 200,000 people on the docks. Wait, what? It's just 214 shipping crates, but 200,000 people come to watch it be delivered. Yikes. That, I mean, that's a crowd right there. Um, so the pedestal engineering is very interesting because um, while it was there, it was also not large enough for anybody to erect scaffolding. They ended up having to build the Statue of Liberty piece by piece with people, like, hanging from the statue. Oh, wait. So instead of, like, a support structure around it, they would, like, put the feet on and then climb on top of the feet and then put the next part on. And they were, like, dangling from ropes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Not Would not pass safety inspection today. <laughs> no, no. Only one person died, though. And, and that was when part of the pedestal fell on him. And <laughs> didn't fall off the (laughs) The statue statue. of course america's rocks yeah okay so it's this huge 
symbolic beacon of light, it is also technically a working lighthouse. For a number of years, the torch in the, like the torch was actually lit up, but for whatever technical reason, it was never bright enough to be a real lighthouse. And also, it was way too fucking close to the city for it to be a functional <laughs> lighthouse. Yes, lighthouse has to actually be helpful in, in getting you to avoid the avoid the rocks and the shore. Yeah, large vessels need time to slow down. And if you're so close to the city on that island, which is not that far away from the city, large ships, when they see the light, which is too dim to see from far away, can't slow down. Yeah, you can see it from Manhattan. So yeah, you would you'd basically just be like, oh hey, this is the sign that we've already gone too far and we're <laughs> fucked. Great, great, great. <laughs> yeah, and Bartoli was like, well, you know what? I could cover it in gold. That would make it brighter. And they're like, <laughs> do you have any idea how long it took us to raise the money for this thing? I know. At have that you point, lost your mind. It's like a cartoon where they like grab him off the stage with yes. the, like the hook. Quit <laughs> while you're ahead, man. <laughs> Yeah, everybody was like, no, that's a terrible idea. We don't care enough. We'll just, it'll be a symbolic lighthouse. The other thing that is very funny that Thomas Edison actually wanted to do that never happened was create a large disc for like an oversized um, phonograph. Is that the right? Yeah. Yeah. Like a record. Yeah. And like an oversized record that then they could put the Statue of Liberty saying things and have it like in, in a speaker out talking to New York City. Wait, put a giant speaker inside the statue so it was like a talking robot? Well, it would. It was not robotic. There was no moving parts. But it would have just been like a large speaker with the Statue of Liberty saying stuff. Loud enough for people in Manhattan to hear. That was God, the goal. That would be so loud. <laughs> so loud. It didn't come to fruition. It, there was no physical way to make it happen. Yeah, can you just imagine, like, how big would that speaker have to be? I mean, there weren't even speakers at that point. It was just like a horn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It wasn't inside of a speaker. Yeah, it's just a horn. A giant record yeah. inside the head. With oh, a man. horn. I don't know. Missed it, opportunity, actually. Somebody should do it now. Yes. Once it's finally completed, dedication ceremony is happening. Happening in 1886, the Statue of Liberty is obviously supposed to be a female, a woman, right? This causes a lot of controversy, especially with suffragettes. Because they are like, hey, you are building this 200-foot-tall statue that is about liberty and freedom, and we can't even vote. They might have a point there. Yeah. They might have a point there, yes. No women were allowed to go to the dedication ceremony. What? Except two, Bartoli's wife and the granddaughter of this other artist. It's this huge event. Hundreds of people. All of the wives of these prominent businessmen had to be on the shore just looking at this dedication ceremony. Yeah. So it's just... them on the boat. Right? So it's just a bunch of rich white men at this dedication. Bunch of suffragettes then rent a boat and um, they get their own horns. What are they? <laughs> air horns? What are they called? No, they've got the big like uh, cheerleader cones. cones. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, cones. yeah. And they're getting as close as they can to the island with just a bunch of suffragettes with their cones. They're just heckling the ceremony. <laughs> Got to respect it. Got to respect know. it. Unfortunately, they couldn't be heard over all of the cannons that were being shot off during the dedication cannons? ceremony. Cannons? Impressive. Although, honestly, I don't think anybody in the ceremony could be heard either of these cannons. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, other groups, especially black Americans, African Americans, and refugee and immigrant organizations also protested the statue. 
you know, citing the fact that despite the war was over, this lip service of being a free country, most marginalized groups lacked any of the freedoms promised in the Constitution. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of rich to have the Statue of Liberty dedication be all these white guys while you have the Jim Crow South and women can't mm-hmm. vote and all of the other injustices that are still going on. Yeah, I mean, right. like, it is it is the perpetual story of America, which is that, it you know, it is, it is never lived up to its ideals except through the work of people who were denied those ideals to begin with. Exactly. So the dedication ceremony, despite all of these protests, goes off without a hitch, except they are unable to do fireworks until November 1st because there was bad weather. Yeah, a few lame. days later, they do some fireworks. Since the dedication, obviously, the statue has changed in a number of ways. It took about 30 years for full oxidization to happen with that green patina yeah. on the copper. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we talked a lot about how it was, it was copper, but it was copper like... Copper, color, copper. Like a penny, like shiny, like mm-hmm. brown gold metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it oxidized at different rates because it was built in different sections. Uh, so it like oxidized um, unevenly. It took about thirty years to happen. It was kind of like splotchy for. Did a they bit. know that was going to happen? I'm sure they did. Yeah, it, but a copper magnate donated all the copper, and oh, yeah. he knows his copper. He knows his copper. We have a I, copper guy. Yeah, he's got to know. Yeah, I, what else could it have been? Brass? I don't think so. Steel? That would have been so expensive. I don't think the sculpt is probably too heavy. Hmm. So. Gold, too expensive. It's the best what they got. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Like we said many times, she has come to represent a number of these like different American ideals, few of which were her actual intended purpose. <laughs> yes. But because few of us are taught the real story of her inception, which is obviously not as patriotic as we are taught to believe, and because her image is a false promise of liberty and freedom— covering up for a country that is st- that still very much benefits from this continued oppression of women, people of color, immigrants and refugees. The Statue of Liberty is not my hero. Got to admit, I did not expect the bake sale thing to work. It's very American though. It's very American, but the only thing more more American was <laughs> running the uh this like publicity promotion and having people like mail you money. I mean, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that definitely seems even more American. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad. Well, although now that we have our nice Egyptian statue, <laughs> our sloppy seconds from Egypt. I know the fact that like they were like, oh yeah, this shit isn't good enough for our canal. No, get it out of here. You <laughs> know, and it's too expensive. <laughs> and still, this artist uh, was like, I will make this happen. Let it never be said the American people didn't come together to pool their money to buy a totally unnecessary, (laughs) way too expensive thing that somebody else refused. Yeah. Um, We know what we like. Yeah, and we are willing to overpay for whatever crap we see on TV or in commercials. (laughs) Indeed. It's kind of a very, um, almost like a Snuggie type of phenomenon where everybody's got to have a piece of it. Yeah. You know what? And then we come together and there it stands, just a oxidized out green beacon and now and yeah and to honor her we drink a whole bunch of bud light and light shit on fire yes yes like like good americans do if people are looking to learn more about america while they drink their bud light and light shit on fire until next week where can they find us They can find us on social media at Your Heroes Pod or on our website at MeetYourHeroesPodcast.com. Yep. And please 
like, share, rate, review, spread the word, tell your friends. And until next week. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Bye.